Hi, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to the I Am Not a Victim podcast. Today, I'm really, really excited to be speaking with Jessie De Silva. She is the millennial money witch. We love everything witchy on this show. Um, and I'm really excited to be talking about this topic because I've never had anyone on before to speak about this. So Jessie, can you please introduce yourself to our audience tonight? Yeah, well, as you know, my name is Jesse. I go by the Millennial Money Witch, and that was a name given to me by Forbes for my unique brand of coaching. So I work with people both in a business consulting capacity and in a money mindset coaching and job hunting capacity. And yeah, so how I teach people is through my three-point formula, which basically says that to get the way that the life and the money that you want, you need to follow three steps. And it's one, align your intentions, two, embody them deeply, three, take inspired action daily. And that works no matter whether you're trying to manifest more money in your business, more financial stability and wealth period, or whether you're looking for a new job. And I got that inspiration from what I learned about magic, which those are the exact three steps that you need to make any kind of spell work. And it just so happens that they directly translate to making more money. Oh my, I have shivers because one, I love money. I love magic and I love manifestation. And I feel like this was a manifestation because I'm quite literally job hunting and I might need to hire you, but we'll get into that at the end. Oh my God, manifested. I love it. Yes, we love that. Um, so I was going to ask you how you got that name, but you kindly answered that for me. So how did you get into this field out of curiosity? What, you know, personally brought you to where you're at today? Yeah. Well, that's like a loaded question. Where do I start? Right. So I'll say that my background is in both journalism and law. So I went to law school because that was what I did to deal with like the 2008 recession. Like there weren't a lot of jobs and I had gotten a job I didn't like. So took my skill set, went to law school because that's the thing you do, right? Go to grad school, get a nice safe job and uh, do that until you die, I guess. And I quickly realized it was not in alignment with me. I thought, okay, well, it's because I want to go back into journalism. So I did eventually make my way back into legal journalism. And I did that for about almost three years. And it had been my dream job when I started, but it wasn't by the time that I left. And I thought maybe it's because I want to be part of the solution, right? So I started working for a nonprofit and I quickly realized I was in the wrong kind of role. It was even more off the path of my authenticity than I realized. And at that point, you know, I'd had, I'd worked in a law firm. I'd worked for the state government. I'd worked in a corporate environment and at that point a nonprofit. And I just thought to myself, maybe it's not me like maybe it's not the law like maybe it's just me maybe i'm not meant for traditional work and at that point i had tried my hand at like the mlm like you know online coaching like health coaching stuff and i realized that i really liked coaching but i was never coaching people on like health related things so i thought well why don't i cut out the middleman and just like sell my advice like why not try coaching so I took on a couple pro bono clients just to test it out because I was like, if I'm going to like make a big disruption in my life, it's not going to be like, it's going to be because I know I want this. 
So tried it out, loved it. It lit me up in a way that nothing else ever did. And so I hired a business coach because I was like, all right, I don't know how to run a business. So I, you know, or especially an online business, hired a coach. And a week after I hired her and paid her in full, I was fired from my job. <laughs> so I took that as a sign that it was meant to be. And yeah, I, I just went all in on it. Um, I tried a few times getting a job to like get me some stability. In the meantime, they never panned out. So I just struggled through and eventually found out what worked for me, what didn't, you know, changed focuses a couple times and then, you know, just found where I am now, which is this like one-stop shop for all kinds of like witchy money manifestation um, and also practical business job hunting and money strategies. That's beautiful. I love that story. You were rock bottomed into your purpose. <laughs> I love it. Cause I always say like the first thing I ever manifested was a rock bottom. <laughs> it's like, cause like I, I went into like my manifestation work, not wanting to like pull it back. Right. Like they tell you, Oh, start out with little things, a free cup of coffee or some flowers or whatever. Oh no. I was like, no, I want money. I want a purpose. I want my entire life to change. And so of course the first thing I got was just a complete like rock bottom to get me onto that authentic path. It's no accident. <laughs> no accident. Oh yeah. It happens a week later. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love for you to dive into where you started because I have personally struggled a lot with like lack and scarcity mentality when it comes to money. What does your money story look like and how did you kind of get from there to where you are now where you're feeling like it's easier to manifest money and feel abundant and prosperous? Can you talk a little bit about where you started with that? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I feel like my money manifestation journey, that's like gone my entire life. You know, I'm the oldest of four kids. We grew up in a home where like my parents each had two jobs, you know, it's like hard to make ends meet because, you know, they were sending us to private school because the schools in our county were not great. So we always lived like hand to mouth. And so of course, like, you know, when I went out into the world, it's like, that's how I lived too. I didn't, and this isn't just to fault my parents, but like the school system, all schools in general, no one teaches you how to manage money, right? Like you don't learn that you don't learn that in K to 12. You don't learn it in college. You don't learn it in grad school. Nobody teaches you how to manage money unless you go on to some kind of accounting track, right? Like that's the only time you're going to learn things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for a while, like I would say that it was just like my, my money was just completely unmanaged until about, I want to say it was like 27 or so. I got really into personal finance. I got like really into paying off my debt. I discovered Dave Ramsey. I was like doing the total money makeover and figuring things out. Um, that's when I had ended up moving to DC from Florida. And when I moved up there, I doubled my salary with that one job leap. And so my my standard of living also increased with it. And like I had definitely reached this place of financial stability and figured that out, but it still wasn't like wealth, right? Like I was still coming down to like the very bits of my money every month. So it was like sustainable, but I wasn't building any savings. I didn't feel like I'd be able to buy a house or anything. Mm -hmm. And then of course I go and I start this business and it's super rocky to start. 
And I'm very much like, I very much started off in this place of like it, uh, I'm just going to invest it and it's all going to come back to me. Right. Like I'm like, my coach told me repeatedly, you don't need a website. And I was like, I need a website. So it's like, I invested like 10 grand almost into my website, you know, for this beautifully professionally designed thing, which the, I just now, like literally like last month got a client who found me from my website, just for the record, for anybody wondering (laughs) three years later, but it's like, I made all of these mistakes in the beginning. I went into so much debt trying to like hire people outside of me that I thought had more expertise or like getting these getting these things figured out that I didn't necessarily need in the beginning. It was just so much mistake making really dug myself a hole with my debt. And then, so that way, even when I did make a lot of money, had these moments, these months where I'd make 10,000 or $20,000, it was all spoken for. Right. So it was about halfway through that time. I realized like, I just really need to get very, I need to like take my financial life seriously. I need to figure out how to pay off this debt. I need to figure out how to budget again. I need to learn how to make my income predictable. And that was honestly when everything shifted because for so long, what I'd been going after was like wealth and abundance and luxury coming from my business. And what that did is it just put me in this really unstable place where I could not maintain my success. And it was because it was too much of an energetic output to reach those numbers. And it was also just fucking with my brain, right? Like I, I had lived in scarcity for so long. Of course I couldn't go from from the stability of a nine to five and a predictable income into like making tons of money. I've learned that I'm just somebody who has to experience it. I had to learn that for me to feel worthy of money, I had to realize that there's nothing scary about losing it because if you have a plan and a strategy and you have a system in place, then anytime you run out of money, it's because there's, you know, there's more money coming in. So I went from this place where I'd have this, like these really big months of like, you know, I could have like a 10 or 20 K month and then like months with nothing. And then I'm trying to live off of what I just made. I went from that to then actually having stable, predictable income where I was like, okay, I don't have like two paychecks a month. Like I used to in my old career, but I know how much money's coming in. I know what to set aside for taxes. I know how much debt I have. I know when my payments are and I'm able to allocate all of that money appropriately. And I realized that that step of going after stability is the baby step. It's like the jumping off points that you need in order to then manifest wealth and abundance. You cannot get there if you first don't have stability. Yeah. I completely agree. And I'm wondering because many of us were taught, same as you, okay, you go to college, get a degree, and then work a nine to five, and then put money away to retire, and then you're supposed to be satisfied with that. So how can we kind of expand our, you know, mindset and our mentality around if we don't feel stable around money, if we don't feel secure, if we watched our parents growing up paycheck to paycheck, and we don't feel any freedom when it comes to money, how can we kind of rewire that lack mentality to start? 
It sounds crazy, but you actually have to just honor where you are. You have to honor the fact that like you don't feel safe with money. You don't feel safe. And like when you do have money, the reason you spend it is because you don't think you'll ever have extra money again. It's kind of like dieting, right? Like, and I'm very anti-diet. I just want to put that out there. Very anti-diet. Like that's not my jam, but it provides a really clear metaphor, right? So if you go on a diet and like my, I would say like the food that I, well, I'll use an actual example. So when I was like fixing my binge eating disorder, one of my like no-no foods that I would never let myself have was white cheddar Cheetos. Okay. The second I would go on a diet, right. And I was like, that's it. No more white cheddar Cheetos. And I'm telling myself that from a place of like, I'm never going to eat a white cheddar Cheeto again. Okay. Well that's bullshit, right? Like that's, (laughs) that's not going to happen. But when you go in with that mentality, what happens You can't stop thinking about white cheddar Cheetos. All you want to eat are white cheddar Cheetos. That's it. So it's the same thing with money. If you go into your budgeting or to your personal finance endeavor, journey, whatever you want to call it, and say, that's it. I'm going to be responsible now. I'm going to keep all my money. I'm going to save 10% of every paycheck and yada, yada, yada. Well, you're going to want to spend the money because that's just like all you can think about is I'm not allowed to spend money. So now all I want to do is spend money. So you have to honor the fact that like part of you doesn't feel safe having lots of money in your bank account. And because of that, you'll either manifest situations where that require your money, like your car breaks down or there's an unplanned doctor bill or whatever it is, something will happen or you'll spend it. You'll be like, Oh, it's okay. I got a little extra money. I'll just treat myself. Hashtag treat yourself. And like you do that enough times or like, you know, you you can even do that in like a responsible way, right? You're like, oh, I got a chunk of money. I'm going to put a thousand dollars toward my credit card. Amazing. Look at me. But you're still spending from this place of, I don't think I'm ever going to have this money again. So I need to take advantage of, of having it. So the first way that you can kind of move past that is to like give yourself the chance to quote unquote spend it without spending it. So that could look like either maybe using a budgeting software. Like I'm a really big fan of YNAB, which is short for you need a budget. So you can either earmark all of your money and like divvy it up to all of your categories and all the expenses. So you can see, you can be checking that and see zero at the top, like you already have everything earmarked for all of your expenses. And that can include fun stuff as well. And what I love is they have a category called stuff I didn't budget for. But if you budget all of it down to zero, and you start looking at that number as the indication of how much money you have rather than what's in your account, you get the dual feeling, you get the benefit of not having spent your money And then you also get like the tightness and the panic that you need to feel broke, right? You're honoring where you are while putting a system in place to help you grow and keep more money. Now, some people can't just do that because they'll want to look at their bank account. So just open multiple bank accounts, okay? Like open a few few different bank accounts at different banks and transfer the money so it's physically out of your account, but it's there. And you don't have to see it. And so that's like the big thing is that we have to honor where we are and what we're dealing with 
and then put structures into place that aren't going to like suddenly disrupt our nervous system, but still give us the opportunity to go beyond what we've been capable of doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, well said. I'm glad that you shared that resource because I've been looking into like budgeting apps. I heard about Mint and I downloaded that. Oh my God. No, no, no I hate I Mint. They're so it. judgy. Okay. It's so judgy. Yet. It'll be like, it'll be like uh, low balance alert. You have $500 in your bank account. And you're like, yeah, I know. Like, uh, <laughs> no, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> you're like, that's like the, you're like, yeah, I normally spend all my money mint. Like, this is how I live. I'm a millennial, please. Like, come on. What so I, I, yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm not saying like, that's, that's the goal. That's how it should be all the time. Like, obviously the goal is to like, keep more money in your bank account over time, but it's so judgy just like for, right from the get go. But YNAB is like very chill. They don't send alerts like that. So I'm a big fan of it. I'll have to write that down because I don't need more judgments. I have enough of my own around money. And the best thing too, is that they have tons of free videos like on their YouTube channel that teach not just their system, but like how to achieve different milestones and like use the software to help you get there. It's fantastic. I cannot sing their praises enough. They don't even sponsor me. I'm just obsessed with them. I just love them they that should. much. <laughs> They should though. You're right. They should sponsor me. If you're listening, sponsor Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Um, Yeah. But that's really awesome that you shared that. Thank you. And I'm also curious because I think a lot of people, including myself have experienced the extremes, right? Especially when it comes to manifestation the old rhetoric says, spend the money like you have it. And then we go into debt. And there's also the other end where it's like, I won't look at my bank account. I'm afraid to even go to the dollar store and buy a water bottle. Like I am just terrified of spending any money. So how do we find that like beautiful middle balance ground? Really? It's like, it's starting where you are, wherever that is, right? It's like using the things I just talked about, which is like putting steps into place that are going to like honor the place that you're in and give you a strategy to like move ahead. Um, YNAB has a feature that I love um, that's different from any other budgeting app I've seen where they have in the top right hand corner, it'll say age of money. And it says like how many days your money is. And essentially what they're measuring is they're automatically calculating based on like how much money you have in your, like in your bank accounts, like how many days of expenses you have saved up based on what your average budget is. And when you can like gamify that where you're like, Ooh, my money is like, cause once your money gets 30 days old, well, that's a month of expenses saved up. That's like literally what that's saying without you having to actually put it in a savings account. I mean, you can, if you want, you know? And so looking at that number and growing the age of your money, trying to get it as old as possible, that's a way where you can like slowly start to build a cushion under yourself. The other thing I think like the one thing I love from Dave Ramsey is he says that for the first month of like your first personal finance journey is to try and get a thousand dollars into a savings account as fast as possible, like an emergency fund. And this is like for true emergencies, like a health related emergency, your car breaking down, a death in the family, your pet has a huge medical bill, whatever, right? I say 1500 because I read that the average vet bill is $1,500. So I was like, that's my new minimum. Mm -hmm. So 
And he says like, sell everything in your house to the point that like the kids worry that they're next. That's his saying. And so I honestly recommend the same thing, like get to a thousand dollars as quickly as possible. And if you don't have shit that you want to sell in your house, like do some Craigslist gigs. Like there are plenty of people there who like want someone to run their errands and stuff, especially like if you're in a big city or, you know, apps like TaskRabbit, you know, if you wanted to do Uber, you can, but I think that's probably going to be a lot longer trying to get there. You'll have, but like get, make the goal just $1,500 in a month. How fast can you put it in there? That right alone is get, like that alone, of, like in and of itself is going to give you such a sense of security in the sense that like, if your car breaks down and you have to like replace the alternator, right? Like for like $500, $800, you can, you mm -hmm. don't have to panic. It's right there. And then like you basically turn your attention away from everything else it, and then replenish it is like how you stay in that place. So always having that little chunk of change in like an external bank account, that's going to be really helpful. The other thing I say is you have to find a method that works for you, right? And this is something that I like, I will die on this hill because all of these financial gurus out here, they try to give the same advice. They'll be like, save, save 10% of every paycheck, like into a savings account. Um, make sure that your housing doesn't take up more than 30% of your income, which is like, have you seen the rental market? Clearly not. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they say these things and what they're, what they're saying to me is they've never been broke. They've never had to like, cl like claw their way out of something. And, you know, that's with the exception of Dave Ramsey, obviously he started massively in debt and like super broke and everything. But the problem is that the extreme that he's take that he takes things to where it's like, he'll say like, you know, do nothing but eat beans and rice and rice and beans until you are, are out of debt, right? Like get out of debt and like save that money as much as you can. I say that you need to find the balance because again, just like dieting, if you tell me I can't have white cheddar Cheetos, that's all I'm going to be thinking of, right? And like, I think it's also a cultural thing with millennials and Gen Z is that we don't necessarily have like a lot of faith in the future. So it's like, if we're saving up and we're going to like, we're going to like, you know, waste the youngest and hottest years of our lives, like not doing anything except paying off debt well, what's it for? Because we don't even know if there's going to be in like what the planet's going to be like in 20 years. Right. So one incentive do I have to like delay everything? So that's why I like to say like, you have to find what works for you. You have to find like, maybe it's not like me going balls to the wall, doing that snowball method and paying off debt. Like maybe it's just me paying my minimums for a year and building up a security blanket of savings under me, right? Like maybe what I want to do is build three months, three to six months of expenses before I start tackling my debt. Well, that's totally within your right. Like go do it if that's what's going to make you feel best. And then looking at like all of your financial goals, right? There's so many things that we want to spend money on and it can be big things like, oh, I want to have like just like the bougiest wedding ever. And <laughs> like, just, I just really want like that big party weddings are a really important part, really important thing to me, a really important part of my culture, right? It could be something like that. 
or it could be something small where it's like, I'd really like to get my nails done every, like every month or twice a month, right? Like I want to like have a consistent manicure. Well, whatever it is, like write it all out. Look at everything that you want to spend money on or save money for and ask yourself, like, what's going to keep me the most motivated? Like what of these achievements will make me feel even better about this and make me want to stick to my budget even more, right? That's how we find the middle ground. You have to find like, what are the things that are going to like keep me incentivized? Because if there's no incentive, then like, what the fuck are we doing? You're not going to stick to it. For sure. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to have to take that tip because that's a really interesting way to think about it. Doing what makes you feel good rather than what adds on to the dread. (laughs) Right. And it's like, there are some things that you're going to want to do first. Like, you know, like I say, the emergency fund to me, that's a non-negotiable that's got to be first. But after that, it's like, you have to, you have to decide on your strategy based on like, what's going to give me a sense of security. Security needs to come first, right? Some people, the crushing weight of debt, they're like, I do not feel secure as long as I have this debt because it's just like compounding and it's driving me nuts. And I would just really rather tackle my debt. Good. Then that's going to be the thing that you're going to do. And then you're also going to like, you know, along the way have things that, you know, if you want to treat yourself here or there, take a vacation or something, well, contribute to those things as well. What's going to keep you incentivized toward paying off that debt and finding security? So you just got to do, you got to find the right approach for you that's honoring your needs. And that's realistic because, you know, if you just, if you just try to do what all these gurus have said, like it's, there's no one size fits all approach to budgeting or financial management at all. Interesting. I like that. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I guess that my last question for you, Jesse, is. We all know the saying, money doesn't grow in trees, money is bad, money is the root of all evil. How can we, or how have you gone from seeing money as something to panic about, something that's dreadful, something that we're jealous and envious of others for having, people that have money are bad. How can we reframe that and see money as something that is life-giving, that is you know, a resource that is fun, and how can we feel more playful around money? So I think you actually asked like three questions in one. So I'm going (laughs) to, yeah. So I'm going to like take them piece by piece. Yeah. (laughs) So for the first one, it's like with the money is evil. Money is the root of all evil. Money is bad. I say like just, it's actually more helpful to make it neutral where I say that like money doesn't have any intrinsic value at all. Just like, you know, time doesn't like time is neither good nor bad. Right. Like it just, it just is. And with money, I say, like, you have to think of it as a tool and a tool can be used for good. It can be used for bad, right? Like if I take a hammer and I build a house for someone who doesn't have one, I'm using that hammer for good. But if I take a hammer and I bash someone's head in with it, I'm using that hammer for bad, but it doesn't make the hammer good or bad. It's just a fucking hammer. So it's the same thing with money. Money can be used for good to like, help other people to help us live our best lives to, you know, spoil your loved ones. And it can be used for bad where, you know, corporate greed and taking advantage of people like, and, you know, amassing and hoarding resources, but the money itself, it's neither good nor bad. It's all about the use. So it's like the first thing that you kind of ask. 
the next part was, um, oh, you were saying, like you said, you talked about money versus money being evil. Then it was money as energy, right? Like how do we stop? See, how do we stop? Um, envy. Yeah. Oh, the envy. Yes, that's it. Yeah, it was the envy. Um, with that, I like to say that, you know, with, I mean, envy, jealousy, all of that stuff, it's usually, it's just something unaddressed that we haven't dealt with. A lot of times we have to admit that the reason we're jealous, the reason we're envious, like the reason we hate other people is because we want what they have, right? Mm -hmm. Like something I think is a really clear example for years, 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 like probably 10 plus years. One of my favorite rants was about how how ridiculous the wedding industrial complex is like the whole wedding industry and how overpriced and ridiculous it is. And like how we're expected to spend 25 grand on weddings and it's fucking insane. Okay. And I would go to lengths being like, I would never spend that money on a party. That's essentially what it is, is it's just a party. And I would like rant about this. Okay. And when I got engaged, okay, and like, I still haven't had a wedding, but I had this moment where I realized the reason I've been hating so much on it is because I don't think I'd ever be able to afford that. Because if it were up to me, we'd have the bougiest black tie <laughs> Halloween wedding, like super, like something super cool in like New Orleans or Savannah. That's just like the dopest Halloween wedding party anyone's ever been to. Okay. Like I would love that, but I don't feel like that's possible. So of course I resent the people who do make that happen. Right. So looking at your envy as a guide toward where do I need to integrate? Where do I need to heal? Right. Like where is the stuff that like I actually need to like look at myself over? And then the last part, being playful. My favorite shortcut for making money and manifesting it is to ask myself, how do I feel when I make a ton of money? So it's normally people say things like excited and like proud of myself and relieved. And then I say, okay, well then start your day off and say, how can I feel excited proud of myself and relieved today because it's all about clicking into the feeling. When you click into the feeling, you don't put the pressure on the money to show up because you already feel like you have it. And that's ultimately what we want money for. Money is never about like the actual purchasing power. It's always about the feelings that we attach to it. So if we can reverse engineer it and click into those feelings first, the money will show up like magic. I love that. That's a great note to end on. Very cool. I'm going to start my day tomorrow feeling excited and proud of myself and see where it leads me. <laughs> yeah. It's always funny to see what people come up with too, because like, it's rarely like business stuff. Sometimes it is right. Sometimes like, oh, I feel proud of, I want to feel proud of myself. So I'm going to network or I'm going to go, you know, put out a bunch of pitches or like write some social media content. But sometimes feeling proud of yourself is like going to the gym or like calling up an old friend or just like, you know, eating, eating a really nice, like really nice meal, right? Like it can be so many different things. When you prioritize the feeling over the money, then the money take the money is, shows up because you don't need it anymore. Yes. The release of control. And then it's like, bam, like clockwork. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, like we didn't even touch on any of like the, you know, systemic oppression and things like that, you know, like those things are super, super real. Yeah. Right. But it all comes down to like, that's a manifestation as well. It's a collective manifestation from mankind. It's like the ugly things that we manifest. So just like we manifest really shitty, toxic jobs that pay us peanuts, we also manifest really shitty things that keep people stuck where they are. But it all comes back to how can we, how can we not only fulfill our own manifestations by like embodying all of those motions, how can we fulfill the manifestations of others? Whenever people feel broke, I say the best thing you can do is donate. And it doesn't have to be money. Donate your time, right? So it's like, if you have a business, can you do some free sessions for somebody? Because when you feel like you have something to give and something to offer, oh my God, you it just takes away that feeling. By, like it reduces the feeling by so much. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for addressing that. It's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Awesome. Well, Jesse, this has been wonderful. And there's so many other things that we could talk about, I'm sure. Um, but where can people find you? What are you working on? And I'm sure people are going to want to check you out. So if you could just plug everything, I would, I would absolutely love that. Sure. So you can find me like basically anywhere. I do have a free group for people who have businesses. It's called five figure launch Queens. That's the number five figure launch Queens.com. If you go there, it'll take you to the Facebook group where there's lots of free resources. Free resources are really important to me. I think everybody deserves them. Um, everybody deserves access to a high ticket coach, even if they can't afford it yet. So there's lots of free training there. And then any other combination of Jesse to silver, the millennial money, Witch, you'll find me on all social media channels. And I guess I should let people know that I have a book coming out next year called the Witch's way to wealth. Yeah. I'm really excited. Good. For yeah. You. This is the first time I'm announcing it on a podcast. So you should feel oh, very so honored. honored. <laughs> Thank you so much. And congratulations. Yeah, it'll be out next year, um, September 2023. Um, so people will be able to find it there. It'll be available for pre-order, but not for a for a while. I just turned in my rough draft like two weeks ago. So hey. <laughs> it's a good feeling. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now comes the rewrite, but that's okay. I'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, no, I am I'm really happy for you and excited to read it. Yeah, and it's gonna have all of this stuff just like expanded way more in depth. And I agree with you. We could probably like do like an entire freaking podcast on this topic, like a whole separate spinoff, but this is the tip of the iceberg. So that's what I love to, what I love to tell people is like the, how to get started, because it's a lot easier to navigate when you're, when the car is moving than when it's stuck in park. Right. So you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jesse, I appreciate your time and I value your input and thank you so much for coming on today. This is a really fun conversation. I ran across an interesting fact the other day. Did you know that 40% of Americans self-identify as kinky? KinkyNearMe.com serves as a community for the millions of Americans who are wanting to learn, share, or enrich their current relationship, as well as for those looking to create new ones. KinkyNearMe.com understands that real connections need more than a swipe right. 
Their community encourages people to connect through common interests and relationship goals. They also encourage their members to share educational resources and knowledge. Most importantly, privacy is a top priority in this new community. There are no ads targeted at your very personal bedroom proclivities. Your data on Kinky Near Me isn't sold or used against you in some way. Your bedroom is your business, no one else's. The best feature though, Kinky Near Me has a search filter to find people near you who share your same kinky interests. You can find out before you spend time on all of the niceties if the other person likes the same thing you do in the bedroom. Or you can find someone who lives near that place you've always wanted to vacation. Searching by kink and general area are easy on kinkynearme.com. Use the link that you'll find in the show notes today for more information or search Kinky Near Me, one word with no spaces to find this growing new community at kinkynearme.com. Hey, 